Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Don't appreciate the songs leading us into this lesson. We're talking about fellowship. By definition, church is a community. The word that is translated from the Greek it's translated church in most New Testaments is ecclesia. You probably are aware of that, have heard that word many times. But I think it has often been misrepresented. In the original use of that word, ecclesia is a gathering of citizens to discuss the affairs of state. We've often just used that word and said, well, it's the called out. And we talk about they're called out of the world, called to Christ, which is true. But there's more to it than that. It's not just that we're called out of the world, but it's that we're called together into a company, into a gathering, into an assembly. And the word refers to an assembly or a congregation. It's interesting to note if you have one of the Vine's expository dictionaries, which uh, many people do have to look in some of, the, some of the Greek words. If you look up church, there's no entry. It says see assembly or congregation. And so Vine has it right that that's what the word really means. In recent years, we've heard much emphasis on a Christian's personal walk, and that's important. You know, my prayer life, my faith, my salvation, my daily devotion, and all that. And we absolutely need to have that relationship. But as we get closer to the Lord in that personal walk and move deeper and closer uh, uh, into his love, if you will, into the knowledge of God, to know God as Jesus prayed in John 17 that eternal life was to know the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That should move us closer into the community of believers. Because as we understand and know the the great commandments, to love the Lord your God, to get close to Him, but then the second one is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus gave that new commandment as He faced the cross I think he was meaning for disciples and those in the body to love one another as I have loved you. That indicates this fellowship that is to grow from our knowing God and serving the Lord God. Jesus did not come to establish millions of individual isolated relationships with people. That's not why he came. He came to build a community of disciples, a congregation of people that would both show and tell the world together, yes, sometimes individually, but together, what it was like to be the people of God and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell the world all the glories of being God's people. So let's look here at fellowship in the church, and I want to look at some basics first. And we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1. Christ is the head 
of this community, and the Christians constitute this gathering, this body, this church. Ephesians 1.22, And he, meaning God, put all things in subjection under his feet, meaning Christ, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And throughout the New Testament, here in Colossians and then especially in 1 Corinthians, we have this picture of the body of Christ, Christ being the head and the church or the people being the body. And that's presented over and over again. We want to be careful as we look at this illustration, and I think it's obviously the Holy Spirit uses it a lot. It's an excellent picture of the church. That we don't want to separate the head from the body. I think sometimes we have a tendency to do that because the head is very much connected to the body and the body is very much connected to the head yet they are separate. They're not the same. As the head of the body, the church, Christ has all authority. He is over it. He brought it into existence. He directs its affairs. He is the one who tells us what to do, how to live, and the things that please him. He is the head of the church. He is the one who has promised to protect it, bless it, and even to discipline us as we need because he wants us to grow in him. And so he has made those promises to us as his body. He is the one who gives life to the body. Spiritual life comes through Christ Jesus as we are rescued from sin and given the life of Christ. He is the one who knows the body the best and is concerned about it the most and loves it most deeply. More than any of its shepherds, more than any of its ministers, more than any of its members, Christ loves the body, the church. And he gave himself for it and he continues to love us. He suffers with us. He rejoices with us. He is part of us. He is our head. We are the body. Jesus is fully involved and devoted to us, just as the church should be fully involved and devoted to Jesus Christ. Nothing should come between us and our head, the Christ. You know, this is where Satan likes to work, to bring division between the head and the body, to bring bring division between the head and an individual Christian or a family as he makes things in the world very attractive and he creates problems for families and problems for people and tries to drive this wedge, turn us away from Christ, we'll be attracted to things in the world, we want them more than we want Christ, We turn to the world to solve our problems. We think the world has the answers. And in this way, Satan weakens the bond between the church and its head, Christ. Okay, let's look at, continue this thought. Let's turn to Galatians 3, back a couple pages there in your 
Bible. Here's an interesting thought. Maybe you've never seen this. It's kind of not taught very much. Uh, it's only, uh, well, it's not emphasized. But when a person is baptized, we are both baptized into Christ, and that's the one we most emphasize. We're baptized into Christ. But we're also baptized into his body. And I think this is an important thing for us to see. Galatians 3.26, we're familiar with this. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's where it begins. If we have to have faith in him as a son of God, as a savior, as resurrected from the dead. For all of you who are baptized or immersed into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, okay? It begins with faith, but it doesn't end with faith. To get into Christ, spiritually speaking, and all the benefits of Christ, salvation, gift of the Spirit, forgiveness of sins, and all these things, you must be immersed with Christ. And we see that uh, more extensively there in Romans chapter 6, the first several verses. All right, so we die with Christ in the waters of baptism, resurrected to a new person. We're clothed with Christ. And I think this is one of the things that we most often remember. Now, if we look at 1 Corinthians 12, our next scripture, we're going to see that we are not baptized, and when we're looking at this picture of the head and the body, we are not baptized into the head, okay? Even though it says we're baptized into Christ, but we're baptized into his body. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. For even as the body is one, and yet as many, many members. And this is, if you want to get a good picture, this head and body thing, read this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. We don't have time to explore all that in this lesson. And this is what Paul is saying. The body is one, yet as many members. Individual members, yet there's one body, and all the members of the body. Though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. There's one, many members, one body. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is one, is not one, one member, but many. So, when we are baptized into Christ, we are actually baptized into the body of Christ, okay? However you want to look at that, and some, uh, looking at Romans 6, speak, you know, spiritually speaking, say we're dying with Christ when he died, and I have no problem with that, and that that's probably a good picture. But nevertheless, we are not baptized into, we do not become part of the head of the church, we are in the body. We are baptized into the body. And that's where we have our part to play. We are members of Christ and he is our head. Jesus came to build, as we said, not all these millions of individual relationships, but a congregation, Matthew 16, a group, an assembly. And even though each person must come to Christ individually with their own faith, their own repentance, 
their own desires. We studied last week to have Christ rule over them, guide and direct their life, and to receive the blessings of Christ. We do that on an individual basis. When we are baptized, we are immediately placed into the community of believers, the church. That's where we are put. We become part of that fellowship. Matthew 16, 17. And this is where Peter, of course, you know, it was real, revealed to him. Jesus is saying, who do the people say that I am? And they had various answers. And who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he is praised by Jesus because he said, well, you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Okay, I just quoted that. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So this is what Jesus came to build, an assembly, a gathering, a group, a fellowship of people to show to the world what it's like for you to be a part of God, to serve God, to show God the glories of God, and to work together to accomplish the tasks of God. Does Jesus save individual sinners? Yes, he does on an individual basis. Does Jesus help individual saints grow? Yes, that's still important. But in doing this, he is building his church, his family, his congregation of people. It all kind of fits together, whether individually or collectively, we are together as a body, as a group of Christians. 1 Peter 2. Peter presents in a little bit different way this idea of fellowship and being together. The picture of a house or a household, 1 Peter 2 and 4. And coming to him, meaning coming to Christ, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. We know the passage of scripture from Psalms that says he was rejected and to become the chief, the head of the corner. And he's the one uh, on the foundation on which the church is built, okay, as Peter confessed. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. He is the foundation. He is the rock on which the church is built. And five, you also as living stones, all right, meaning each individual Christian as a living stone, are being built up as a spiritual house, okay? So here we have this picture of individual stones, but we're not just individual stones lying out in a field somewhere, okay, all by ourselves. We are being built in a house, okay, that glorifies God. So we're all being built together in a house which has a purpose, a shape, and so forth and so on. A spiritual house uh, for a holy priesthood, all right, we offer up those spiritual sacrifices to God, give him glory, uh, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So that's just another picture of this idea of the individual's all being put together. Here it's a house. The other picture is the body. We all have there are different members in the body. And we take, as Paul uh, uses the illustration there in 1 Corinthians 12, you know you have a hand 
you have eye, you have fingers, you have ears, they all have a different part to play, and they all need to play their part in order for the body to function properly. Everybody has a part to play. Some appear to have greater parts than others. That's fine. That's where it says in that passage of Scripture that God, is, the Holy Spirit has put each person in the body as he sees fit. So whatever your role is, your capacity is, your skills are, your abilities, then where, whatever those are and wherever God has put you, we're supposed to use them for his glory. Everyone working together for the common cause of Christ. If we reflect on Scripture, if we reflect, we know that God has always emphasized a group of people, hasn't he? It's never been an individual thing. Even in the Garden of Eden, what did he say about Adam? It's not good that he's alone. We need to make a, a suitable companion for Adam. Uh, we have Noah and his family saved in the ark, right? The whole family of Noah. Yeah, there weren't very many, but it was a f Noah and his family. Abraham was called, and what was the promise made to Abraham? I'll make you the father of many nations, right? And, of course, he became the father of the Hebrew people. And then eventually we have Jacob with his 12 sons, and all of them went down into Egypt and became a people, the people of God. And when he rescued those people through Moses, some 400 and some years later, how did he rescue them? En masse, as a group, didn't he? Not 10 or 12 at a time, not one at a time, but he brought them all out together as a congregation and led them through the wilderness as a congregation, fed them in the wilderness as a people, brought them into the promised land, settled them in the promised land by tribes. You read, you know, read the Old Testament, you'll see this total emphasis upon family, upon tribes, upon the people. It's all there. And then you read uh, the law, in Exodus and Leviticus in particular, how the law spoke greatly to your relationship with your neighbor. Even some of the ten words, the ten commandments, have to do with that. Not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, and so forth. Speak the truth with your neighbor. And there are so many others. You don't, you don't move the boundary stone with your neighbor, so you have more property, all right? And when you... Uh, when you glean your, uh, harvest your field, you leave the corners, you don't harvest the corners so your poor neighbor will have something to eat. You know, we, we really need to pay attention to some of these laws and understand the emphasis God is making. But we really are a community of people. We are put here to love other folks and to care for other folks. And now as we move into the new covenant, then we have that same thing reproduced, those same principles reproduced in the church. Love one another. Take care of one another. Forgive one another. Help one another. Tell the truth to one another. We are placed into the body of Christ, into a congregation 
to serve together to bring glory to Christ Jesus. Okay. Let's turn to Acts 2. We're going to look at some examples here out of the New Testament in just a moment. Just like any family, I think most of us here had, I don't know if we all had siblings or not, or at least one, maybe not. But anyway, even if you didn't, you had cousins perhaps, and of course a mother or father and other people that in your family there is the idea of functioning together in fellowship to make it all work out, right? Uh, and that's where you get the old sibling rivalry, and if you had brothers and sisters, you, I mean, you never fought, right? It was always just, you know, everything just worked out right, right? Well, we know that's not true, but still, the idea was you had to share. You had to learn to share. You had to learn to work together, whatever it was, whether uh, it was eating at the table or the, or the chores or just who got the... You know, who got to play with the toy first or the remote first or who plays the video game first, right? Who gets the tablet today or the laptop? Got to learn to get along. And we see this everywhere. Uh, whether you're talking about your neighborhood, you have a small community in the neighborhood where you live. And I know you know your neighbors to some extent. And sometimes you help your neighbors. You visit your neighbors if you know they're sick. Uh, if you work, uh, have a job, you might work in a department where you have co-workers and you have to learn to get along. That's just another idea of this fellowship thing. It's just everywhere. But God has made us to live in communities and have relationships with people. So this idea of fellowship or togetherness or functioning together means that things must be shared, whether they're good or bad, okay? If you're on a team, um, thinking about the, uh, some of the football teams now playing this year, of course, the regular season's over for the professionals, and the poor Cleveland Browns. Any Cleveland Brown fans here? Don't be ashamed, okay? They won one game this year. But, you know, that whole team had to share in that situation, whatever you want to call it, struggle. They all had to share in that. And, of course, then you had some other teams uh, that did quite well, the Patriots, Cowboys, I think they each won 12 games, you know. The whole team shares in that, right? Hey, we won 12 games, 12 out of, or I think it's 12, wasn't it? Larry probably knows, yeah, he knows that stuff. <laughs> we won 12 games, you know, that's great. So they all got to share in that. So whether it's good or bad, there, there's a sharing of, of all things. Of course, there's cooperation, working together, um, whatever it happens to be. If you're in a particular group, there's usually goals and purposes for the group, and you're supposed to all be working together to accomplish that, right? Participation together, looking out for one another, and so forth. So the congregation, the church of the Lord, is a group working together to accomplish the will of its head, Christ. So we want to look at these next few scriptures that have to do with fellowship or sharing. 
Acts 2.44. Early on, this is when the church was first established. And, and I think to some extent this has to do with the fact that these folks were all there in Jerusalem at the time. All right, They were not in their homes. And so there was this need that they had to meet. But nevertheless, I think the principle applies uh, in any congregation. It says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Okay? And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. So they were individual Christians. They had all been baptized into Christ Jesus here. You can read that right in that chapter. And immediately, what? They start to have a concern for one another. You know? Well, Hezekiah over here, he, he doesn't have anything to eat, or he only has one change of clothes, or whatever it is. Okay? Or Joanna over here, uh, she has a need. She doesn't have anything to eat. And so they immediately began to have this desire to take care of one another. They understood that that was part of being this body of Christ, this, these believers. And so that's what they did. They be, there was a need, they sold property, we need money, we need to take care of this. And so they were looking out for each, and, each, each other, and that shows their love. You know, that this, this whole idea of being the people of God had, had caught hold right from the very beginning. There was a concern for one another. 1 Corinthians 10. So there was a sharing of needs, there was a sharing in worship as they come together. I want to look here in 16 and 17 in particular at the Lord's table. I think I've pointed this out before, but I think this is so important for us to remember. Paul says here, Is not the cup of blessing which we bless, and we've just done this, a sharing in the blood of Christ? Some translations have communion there. That word communion has become so overworked that it has lost its original meaning. Because we think that means some kind of mental gymnastics where I'm just communing with God. Now, we do do that, but that's not what the word means. That means you are sharing Commune, see common. We are sharing in the blood of Christ. Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So you can see the individual partaking of the bread, but it shows that we are sharing in our head Christ Jesus in his body and blood, that we are one in our sharing together in remembering him. That's what that shows. It's not simply an individual thing that you do by yourself. The overall picture is we are all doing this together and saying we are together in Christ Jesus. We share. The fact that we come together were called out into an assembly on the first day of the week. That shows that we are to be a we are a body and we are to be a congregation. Jesus didn't say, "Well, you just go ahead and worship individually in your own house." 
there's nothing like that at all in the New Testament. We are a congregation. We come together to worship. You also see this, I don't have the scripture there, about singing. Teach and admonish one another, right, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Okay? It's not just about only about me praising God, but in my singing I am to be teaching others in the congregation, encouraging others by my own singing. So again, it shows this fellowship and the sharing together in worship that we are one as God's people. All right, 1 Corinthians 12. I mentioned this, but here's a good scripture on this. And if one memory, back again, the picture of the body with the members and being one body. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So there's to be this kind of closeness that we know what's happening in the lives of the individual members. Now, for someone is suffering, someone has developed some serious disease, I'm concerned about that as a member of that body. I'm praying for that person. I'm doing for that person whatever I might be able to do. I'm suffering alongside that person because I love that person. And if they're honored, they receive some award or a promotion or something good in their life, new child, grandchild, I'm rejoicing with them. I'm not jealous. I'm happy. Because they're part of my Christian family. And I love those people. I love them. I love you. So this is, you know, this is part of being in the body of Christ. It's, we're not just a lot of individual folks out here doing our own thing. We're supposed to be loving on one another. Who was it who used that phrase? Was that... Brother Earl, loving on one another, something like that. But that's what we're supposed to be doing. So we're sharing in each other's lives. And then finally, uh, 1 Thessalonians. I picked this out as, a, uh, as an example. I think we're all aware we're to be sharing in the work of the kingdom. The purpose that God has us here on the earth to proclaim the gospel uh, to make disciples, and then to help those in need as we have opportunity, that we're all to be working together on that. It's not just the minister only who is supposed to be trying to teach the gospel to people or, or the shepherds or some deacon who's in charge of visitation. Let's read this, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, and Paul, I think Paul, well, Paul loved all his churches that he related with and, and he helped start. But I think he has a special place in his heart for these folks. He says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers and in Macedonia and in Achaia. They came right out of paganism, if you read the whole letter. It was like, well, a miracle. Paul goes in there and starts preaching to these people, and they're all like, hey, he's right. We want to change. And they repented, and they obeyed the gospel, and they got hurt for it, 
because of the people around them and I think because of the Jews as well, began persecuting them because they decided to follow Christ. But it's almost like they did it wholesale as a group, somehow. Now then, in verse 8 after that, he says, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. He's writing to a congregation. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. This congregation had this reputation. They proclaimed the word of God wherever they went. They had faith in Christ. And they were known for it. Not just a few of them, the whole congregation. And so they obviously were working together, and we're not told details here, how they sounded forth. You know, they didn't have internet in those days or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. No Facebook. No TV. But somehow they sounded it out. They let it be known. Maybe they sent out people. I'm not sure. But it was known throughout the whole region that they were a congregation of God's people and they sounded out the word. Verse 9, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven who he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. They just wholesale turned from those idols. They were paying a price, but... They were working together to proclaim the gospel and show they were, that was said of them as a congregation. And so every congregation needs to share in the work of Christ, all the people in it, to share in what needs to be done to spread the word. So we see the concept of fellowship, the sharing of life and working together in the congregation are hallmarks of Jesus' body the church, the called out. It's a different type of community from the world. I know we've used some illustrations from the team and co-workers, but it's a different type of community. It's spirit-filled, love-powered, and Christ-honoring. And it's a community where every member matters. So we leave the lesson with you. Are you a part of the body of Christ? If not, now is your opportunity to come, be baptized into Christ, be baptized into his body, and become a member and receive the blessings that are promised. If you are a Christian, and you've not been serving in the body, having the fellowship that you should, now's the time to think seriously about that and make a change. To know that you are called to share with your brothers and sisters here in the work, in community, in their needs, in understanding their situations in their life, in praying for them, and just to be a part of the body as we work together here to bring glory to Christ. If you need to come and have prayer for that, we'd be, we'd be happy to help you. However, you uh, might want to respond this morning. Please come while Brother Don leads us.